Hello, this is What the Heck was Richard Dweck, uh, Season 5, Episode 2, with Carl. Thank you for listening. Hi. Sorry. Hi, Carl. How are you doing? Okay, good. It's not polite to make you wait. I miscalculated by about five minutes. I was driving home. Here I am. <coughs> oh, that's okay. It's no rush, really. Uh, you're on uh, What the Heck was Richard Dweck. How are you feeling? All right. I, are we already recording? Yeah, yeah, we're already recording. <laughs> I am feeling great. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Did not realize I was on. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's not live, but it's just recording. But uh, I um, I'm so excited to have you on because I just we must have met in was it twenty seventeen? Seventeen, probably. It was um, it was it was Broadway Comedy Club. It was yeah, a yeah. free show. Yeah, yeah, and I really thought you were funny, and I liked the, your, like, whole persona, just how you looked and spoke, and I liked the laugh. You know, I immediately thought of Heck when I heard Dweck, so it's a great podcast name. Oh, yeah. It's so interesting how it happened, because years before, like, I guess a couple, it was like a year in, there's this comedian that I'm friends with. Uh, I haven't seen her lately. She's probably, I don't know if she does comedy still but uh she came up with it and she was like if you ever have a podcast you should call it this and i was like okay (laughs) we'll do that absolutely and uh yeah it's just like it's so cool i just remember every time that i've always seen you it just feels like you've always been something to watch like you've always had like an int factor to you oh well thanks it's so crazy like and you remind me of a lot of different people which Uh i think is like you know a lot of people that are probably your influences like steve martin you're a huge fan of right i really am yes absolutely i don't know if you've ever seen his stand-up before but uh because a lot of people haven't really seen his stand-up but uh sack alfanakis is another person that i gotcha i've heard of that name no i haven't seen his uh stand-up I'll have to yeah. now. He's known mostly as an actor for his acting stuff, but he was a stand-up before that, like, in the alternative comedy scene in the, like, early 2000s, and uh, it just, like, reminds me a lot of the stuff that you do. Have you always... And I looked at some of your other stuff that you've done, like, on your YouTube channel. Have you always had a... Uh, have you always been a performer? Uh, I suppose... I suppose the answer is yes. I've always like have my toe half dipped in the water. Used to have a rock band, you know, we're talking uh, 90s, all throughout the 90s, there were several bands. And I uh, used to have a cable access show in high school. And then once again in college, it was like a sketch comedy humor show. So I guess, yes, I've always been, th- I've always wanted to be that guy. Yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff. Like I was looking at your. YouTube stuff, and I was just like, oh, he's always performed and always done stuff. And it feels like, you know, comedy is just the next progression of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you, so I guess doing it early on, were you, like, it feels stereotypical to ask, were you a, uh, like, a class clown as a kid? Uh, yeah, I guess I have to say yes, but uh, but it depends on what year, you know, because I came from right. a weird place. I was, um, a very 
strange kid who kept to himself. I was almost, I mean, today, I think I seriously, I think I might've been classified as autistic by someone who was of authority in a school. So from my, from my strange behavior, that's relatable. Yeah. that's. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so glad it wasn't that era because I didn't think of myself that way at all. I just continued to learn and grow and change and, right. uh, you know, I grew up and grew out of it. Um, right. But uh, but yes, I was the class clown, especially in high school. Uh, that's when I, you know, finally started to come out of my shell isn't the word. Get normal. I started to get normal. Right. I had friends and uh, things changed for me at that time. And yes, I absolutely was the class clown. And I got kicked out of... Uh, well, I was trying to do a bad joke about being the class clown in clown school, but I didn't <laughs> think it through. So right. I have to pre-write. <laughs> right. I, I never got in trouble. Like, I wasn't that type of person. But just growing up, I think especially in New Jersey, you have to sort of, like I've talked about this a lot of my podcasts, it's very, and you see this a lot in the way we interact with each other, is you have to be kind of tough and yeah. learn to get tough and learn to stick up for yourself. So that's kind of what happened with me is like I would never get in trouble in school because when I was older, like in my teens, because I would always make my teachers laugh when I stuck up for myself. Right. They'd be like, they'd be like, instead of getting in trouble, they'd be like, "Oh, that's funny." Richard just called that kid stupid. (laughs) 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 But it was just like the thing that you go through. But um, I was curious about seeing like all the stuff that you do. You have uh, children, right? You you have kids. They're uh... yeah. I have three boys, and um, you know I'm getting older, so that means they're getting older. So I've got two in college, and one who's a sophomore in high school. Right, and uh, have they have they been like supportive of what you do with the comedy? Are they into it? Well, or... yes. I mean, they they. First of all, they, they don't really see it very much. Uh, one right. time I was uh, lucky to do Danger Fields. And uh, the only way I could get to do Danger Fields was to have it be a bringer. And, you know, they're just trying to fill seats, of course. Right. But I just wanted to be in front of the bright people there. That was like when my son came to see me, my oldest, and he was blown away that I could actually, he never thought of me that. Sure, he says, okay, see you later. I'm going to comedy, but he never saw it with his eyes. Right. Uh, So he was blown away. Then my middle child caught me online at some like open mic. And he was like, dad, dad, these are pity laughs, dad. And I was like, what? (laughs) You're funny. They're pity laughs. And I said, no, but this is an open mic and maybe they are pity loud. I'm trying new stuff. He goes, okay, yeah, okay. And he walked away thinking that I, you know, really stunk and was delusional. He eventually saw me and had to concede. Okay, this particular time you did okay. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I just think it's like, you know, I can't, I just think about the different things that people have to go through with when they're doing comedy and when people have to, raise kids and do pony i just think it's it must be pretty hard just given the the schedule like of everything of well, you gotta get your kids to like if, you know do their homework and stuff and then you have to be out at night and 
go to different open mics and stuff. Like, yeah, but they're older, you see. Um, that was true. Like when your kids are toddlers, when your kids are seven, eight, nine years old, you know, you have to be there. And I was. Uh, right. But now it's like, I don't know, my wife's going to sleep around 10 o'clock. Uh, right. The kids are all, you know, doing their own thing. I just go out and do comedy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not even noticed in a way. Lucky. Right. Yeah. So when exactly did you start uh, doing stand-up? So in 2015, but late, um, I went to San Francisco to visit my friend Mike. And uh, he said, listen, why don't I say that you're a New York comic and I'll get you a spot? And I was like, I'm not a New York comic. And he goes, just do it. So I quickly wrote down on a piece of paper. Uh, it wasn't a napkin. Every like joke that I ever thought of in my life that I made up on my own. So he right. did. He called me up there. Now, I don't know how much time. It was like a real show, but I only did like five minutes at the most. Right. I stood there with the piece of paper. And the thing is, they laughed. They laughed. Right. And so that encouraged me, like, maybe I can do this. Uh, so what are we talking, December? So cool you have that. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, I didn't even cut you off. No, but I think you were going where I was going, that it is so cool when you get that feedback and it's positive. You know, they're laughing. You're doing something right. Uh, that inspired me. So when I got back to Jersey, um, I thought about it for a few months and by 2016, I was going to New York and trying open mics and, uh, seeing what worked. Right. It's always so cool to get that like instant, like thing with performing. Like for me, I was, it was so different to me because I was already doing different stuff. Like I was doing improv before. Improv. And the weird thing with that was like, I didn't want to do improv. That wasn't my like goal really. That was just a common, that was just the first choice that I had because it was available. That we are now, we have a good scene, but back then there was really nothing. Like you had to go to New York and go to different right. places. You couldn't be in the area where I lived and do just straight stand up. So there was only improv and like a little bit of stand up. So when I got, it's so weird. I was like, you know, I'm going to do stand up for like, a month and then I'll go and try and find I'm going to do improv for like a month and I'm going to try and find stand up and then I ended uh -huh. up just doing it for four years You did improv for four years? Wow Yeah, so it was just like getting stuck into it and then my uh, my teacher, uh, he started having comedians like open for us for our shows and mm -hmm. he knew that I wanted to do it so he let me try it and then I met the other comedians and I asked them where the open mics were and stuff because I had no idea that there were open mics and stuff so I was just like that's how I got into it but uh what was so your I material started, like back then what was your when you first started out where did you I, draw when, from when I first started doing stuff I was much more opinionated which is uh -huh. so crazy to think like I've always been I was way more I don't know the word for it I think opinionated is just it like I look at how calm I am now on stage and how uh like easygoing i am but like early on it was kind of a lot different because uh -huh. i was 22 so 
you, you're kind of, I think at 22, you have a lot of opinions and a lot of yeah. viewpoints, and yeah. you just want to share them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're just like, this is what I think. And the good thing that was, and the thing that was so interesting now that I look at different p- things, like, I would, I would never do this now. I can't even, like, it's not even a part of my personality to think of this, but if I w- did, like, an open mic or something or somewhere, and people weren't paying attention to me at, like, a bar or something, right? I would get, like, a little bit antagonistic uh-huh. in a playful way towards the crowd. Like, I, I could never think of doing that now. But, you know, I'd be like, yeah. shut up and, and listen to me. Like, that was, like... Right, it's entitled. Now I'm so calm. And I think it was just, like, trying to... I was also in a place where, like, I, it was different to me because when I was growing up, I was, uh, I was held back in kindergarten, so I was always, like, a year older than ever in my whole entire, like, life. And then when I started doing comedy, especially stand-up specifically, I was the youngest of the group of people. So, like, it was sort of, I was, like, the baby of the bunch. So I mm. had to sort of, you know, I was around all these people who were, you know, mid-20s early 30s and you know it's like you know all the people you see now like mark henley i knew him when he was you know six years ago when he was in his 20s and you know people like that so it was just like it was a really weird uh i guess social uh experience that was the dynamic they were older Mm -hmm. yeah so it was like i was sort of in that mix of like having to be around these older people and it it really uh i think it the one made me better socially uh, Mm of how to relate to people and how to interact with people because like i always used to say like you know it's it's just so weird to me to see like i get along so well with people because i was never mean but like yeah there was a Real immaturity and a real, uh, I don't know the word for it. Well, maybe we're in a social setting for the first time that wasn't enforced upon you. Like when you go to school or when you have a job, it's a social. But this was one that you were building, just meeting people. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a huge part of it and just learning how to, you know, do it. And it's so great to me now. Like I'm so grateful for all the friends I've made and people that I've met. And that's the reason why I do this podcast is because I think a lot of we spend a lot of time uh, trying to build our own selves up through our Uh social media. We do everything like we work so hard just to do to build everything up to ourselves. And I want people to to see other people like I think that's Mm -hmm. important. I think, you know, if I can give a platform to everyone else who's sort of helped me over the years and that I've met that can be good too. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that uh, collaboration is always uh, better than just trying to dominate, you know. I think uh, that's why I do an open mic. I think that's why I do uh, like, you know, little uh, TV movies kind of things just to involve people. And, uh, you know, you know, you've, you've brought it up before, like getting mad at the crowd and like it's my turn now i I just want to say that like i've seen that you've seen that comics get up there and they get mad at the audience for not paying attention to them but as you get older you realize and i was never there i was older when i started that it's your job 
it's not their job to listen to you. Uh, they, they're being impolite jerks, perhaps. Right. But it's not their, you know, it's your job uh, to make them listen. And also, it's an, you, you, you've got to be there in the audience seeing another person do it to understand. It's ugly. You get mad oh, at yeah. the audience. They're not with you anymore. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, to me, what was always so... What's, <laughs> I just had a... Uh, I don't want to talk about myself so much, but I... Uh, I um, I put my stuff on some of my stand-up clips on uh, TikTok, and I don't use TikTok correctly because I don't make my own like little videos and stuff. Yeah. I just put my stand-up on there, and what's interesting about it is it gets way more views than it does on YouTube, than it does on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, if I put a video up on YouTube, it gets like 15, 20 views. If I put it up on TikTok, it gets like 300 views 600 very nice very like you know i get comments and stuff and i got this one comment that was very nice they were very nice with everything they said but they mentioned my safe presence and i said you know it's weird that like the way they didn't respond to me but the way that i explained it was my safe presence has always been different for everything that i've done it's never been combined Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i i started in music with singing in high school then i did improv then i did stand up and they're all if you look at videos of me doing any of the three, I'm all completely different on stage with each one of them uh-huh. because there's such a different. Uh, um, What's well, a different like strategy with, with each one? Yeah, like with with music. When I did singing, I had to, you know, my music teacher. I had my vocal teacher. I had to memorize my lyrics. I had to do my timing right with her piano. I had to, you know, had a lot of other things going on with that. When I did improv, it was easier because I couldn't do voices. I couldn't do characters, but I was surrounded by these people who were so skilled at it. It was Mm -hmm. like their forte. So I was just sort of like, I could just malleable, like just do whatever they wanted me. It's an ensemble too. So it was like an ensemble thing. And then with stand-up, it was such a different thing of like, oh, this is all on me now. This is all... I have the entire time to myself. Yeah. This is all my responsibility. Nothing to fall back on. (laughs) And I've noticed with you that you wear your heart on your sleeve. Like you are not good at like a poker face. So when I see you on stage, you tell a joke and if it's working, you can see the happiness. And when something doesn't work, you can see the, the, the gears turning in your head. Where am I yeah. going to go now? You know, and you can tell the uncomfortable, like, I, I, I'm getting off now. Right. <laughs> I love that about you. Yeah. You know I mean, what you're getting. Nice to hear. Yeah. Because to me, it's always like, it's always so interesting. The things I think I mentioned some of my last episode with Ziggy is just like, I don't have a, like, there's things that are planned that I do that people don't recognize or planned. And there are things that I do that aren't planned that people think are planned. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's funny is like, I don't know if maybe you had this too, is like where people think like, oh, this is like a character she's doing. And then it's like, no, I've been this way since <laughs> I was four years old. <laughs> like now, if you went and met four-year-old me, you'd be like, yeah, that's Richard. <laughs> you know, now. Well, I have been there in the situations where something's going on in the room. You've got a next joke coming up. It's completely planned, but oh, you yeah. spin it in a way so that it's as if you were reacting to the room. Right. Yeah, I've gotten that off stage. They said, that was really quick, man. You're quick. Uh, feel yeah. Like you. 
the, one of the coolest things to me is just the little things that you do on stage, like the the um, I think I, I talked to you about you before with the uh, the microphone trick that you started doing. Oh, the twirl, flipping it. Yeah. How did you come up with that? Like, what was that like? Uh, I guess doing that. Did you see that somewhere? I guess Roger Daltrey of the Who. And I don't have a like a Genesis story for that. I don't know when's the first time I did it and what happened or anything like that. Roger Daltrey, uh, he was the one in the Who who's not playing an instrument. And there are many times in which the band is playing and it's not your turn to go. So what does he right. do? Now, in the early 60s, he would stand there. Once in a while, he'd even turn his back on the audience and tap his foot or something. But as they got big and they got bigger heads and stuff, he was like, what am I going to do? So he started twirling the mic and I always thought it was silly and ridiculous. Now, when you're doing stand up, especially mine, you're trying to be silly and ridiculous. Yeah. So it just was born. Yeah, it's very it's very showy. And it's very like it's also uh, it can be kind of jolting in a way. I guess that's the word for it, because like. Once I see you do it a couple of times, it's like, oh, he has a hold on it. Like, he's not dropping it. He's not, you know. Yeah. It's There's like a gracefulness to it. <laughs> that's like, I don't think people really appreciate to that. It's just like, and you have to do it at a perfect, and you do it at perfect time. Well, too. it's a punchline enhancer. There are some yeah. jokes, you know, I do those like, um, I wouldn't call them one-liners because they involve two-liners, but they're akin to one-liners. Just that goofy, silly, one-off joke. Right. And then when I twirl the mic, it, it subliminally lets, if I said that right, lets people know that just fucking around. That was just right. a stupid joke, you know. The one thing that also that I relate a lot to what I do on stage and what you do is a lot of wordplay stuff. I love mm. wordplay. That's mm. like one of my biggest things. So I noticed that you do that a lot. Were you always, are you fascinated with wordplay? Is that a correct thing to say? Yeah, my father was a psychologist. He was a clinical psychologist, not like a couch kind of psychologist. Right. He was a professor, lots of things to do with how you read and how it influences your psychology. And he was did a lot of linguist stuff. That's what pulled me into these stupid, stupid puns. And we talked about the first time I ever saw you. I think that was the first thing that made my like ears perk up you know, and head turned towards the, what was going on on the stage was wordplay. Yeah. You're full of it. Yeah, I, I've i always loved, you know, wordplay and just stuff like that. So it's always been very interesting to me. Just I just remember seeing that. And, uh, you know, it, it always feels weird bringing this up because people don't, they'll have to look up your videos to see this because this stuff, because you're just like, you're just amazing. All the stuff that you do. Thanks. Man. Well, you know, puns one of the lowest love... form of humor people claim. So I'm trying to turn that bad rap around. Right. I love your, uh, you have like these little like sayings that are like signature to you, like your closers. I love how you say, uh, yeah, every time. Like as the French say, sayonara, like stuff like that. <laughs> it's just like, I love that, like that type of stuff. Like you just, you have your own. Did that, come nat that probably came naturally but did you well that like tagline was that like did you come up with that like i don't remember how i came up with that tagline but that tagline got a big okay one time it was just the last thing that i said and it got a big laugh so i just did it again as an ending and as an ending and as an ending 
So it's like right. I go to this open mic every Wednesday. It's Scotty's Pub and Comedy Cove in Springfield, New Jersey. I've been going there since 2017, and I pride myself. We had a COVID break, as you know, but I pride myself right. in going every week and only doing new material. Just write, you know, spend the week writing, go up there and just even if it's not going to work, just see what works. So I pride myself in never having told the same joke twice, except for that goddamn ending, which I'm married to now. And I have right. to say it every time. Oh, yeah, I totally get that. Where you have like a thing that's like, oh, I always close with this. So now I have to I, I'm close stuck. it every time. Right. Because it's just muscle memory and <laughs> what you think of what you do. And uh, it always seems like, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to ask you about this because I was curious if it was true or if you were joking, like messing with me or not. No, the French. But uh, when I had you the on, French. When I had you, when you were, when I was on your podcast, yeah. uh, you mentioned you had a writer. Is that true? Um, oh, uh, I made a joke about Mike. Okay, so I have a podcast called Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube, and it's my friend Michael Spiegelman's podcast. He's my right. bosom buddy. So we did the cable access show in high, in uh, college that I was telling you about in Montclair, New Jersey. He moved out to San Francisco. He was the one who gave me that. I'll just tell him you're a New York comic. It was him again. Right. And yeah. the podcast you were on is his podcast in which we watch this full length movie. So he is a stand up comedian out in uh, uh, San Francisco and he retires jokes all the time. And when he retires them, he get, you know, he runs them by me. And I'm like, I like this right. one. I like that one. I would say there's maybe 20 Spiegelman jokes that I've done. And um, that's what I was making a reference to on the podcast. Cause people who listen to the podcast will know that I even have this right. one clip from Scotty's open mic where he wrote all the jokes. And in between each joke, I said, writing credit, Mike Spiegelman, out of San Francisco, and I did it the whole five minutes or whatever. You know, oh, staff cool. of writers, and his name is Mike Spiegelman. Yeah, that's it's just surprising to me because a lot of from what I've seen, like you're so like that just threw me off because, mm -hmm. like I've mentioned throughout this, you you have such a unique, like specific writing already. Like it seems, it really shocked me that you had that a little bit, like of you know doing that well i spin them to be more my persona of course have you right. ever told richard a, a joke that's not yours on on stage like not like stealing but in some uh, legitimate way? the only time i've ever done stuff like that is the one thing that we sort of my friends and i in comedy realized is like any roast joke or any time like not even like actually an actual roast at like just when you're like you know fucking around with other comics like socially if they make a joke about you you're allowed to say that on stage mm, yeah like uh my friend john Beecroft, a lot of his stuff is that like people just you know jokes they've made and just like things that he'll you know <laughs> add to to his to just like you know like I know I look like Lieutenant Dan without his legs like another comic <laughs> said that to him so he uses that and like for me like uh, I had a comedian once say to me that uh, I'm like a caribou that shoots anxiety out of his chest. Like, you've that before. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, whatever they give you, like, if it's a joke about you, you can take it and use it later. There was a roast so, of the. I always had that. Was it at the Brighton Bar? Didn't they roast you? Yeah, that was actually an interesting thing of how that all came to be because 
the thing that happened was I would go there and I would do my set and I was very bad. I didn't do it out of my intent. I would just, you know, I wouldn't stay, mm. you know, I wasn't staying. I was, you know, I would go home after I saw my friends and I just, you know, I wouldn't stay. And then what was happening was every other comic would come up on stage and they make jokes about me <laughs> and I wouldn't be there in the room. <laughs> So I felt really bad, and I was like, oh, I got to stick around more at this place. Yeah. And I got to, you know, socialize, and, you know, I had to be respectful and be, and listen to these people's sense, because they're mentioning me on stage, and I'm at home. And it was annoying the bartender, <laughs> who I'm close with, mm-hmm. and the bar just closed. It's very sad. Uh, but um, he was like, you know, people be like, why are they talking about this kid in their jokes, and he's not even here? Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to have this roast where everyone can do their jokes that they've done and I'll be there <laughs> that time. Well, last time I was at Brighton Bar, you were there the whole time as I stayed too. I always do. Maybe yeah. it's not 100% true always, but um, I, yeah. I saw your set and it was really good. Now, did you just deliver to me the sad news that Brighton Bar has closed? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, I found out. That uh, was really a great yeah. play. Yeah, it was... It was a shame because what happened was, uh, I guess they sold it to, it's going to be a restaurant now. And they couldn't tell anyone because of the NDA, I guess, of what they have. And the thing that sucks about that is they don't have any, they don't do contracts and stuff with the shows they put on. Like I've, I had my roast there. They don't, they're not very, uh, no, it's more overly professional. Mm -hmm. So they can't tell, they have shows booked until summer with, bands and comedy and they can't reach out to those people and say hey we're we're not going to be able to do this because of the nda they yeah. can't disclose anything so it's like you know we didn't know so we found out on i guess it was not this thursday but last thursday mm-hmm. and then they told a couple people and uh then on sunday last not this sunday but last sunday we found out when we were at um uh Wawa shock man with uh doing the doing the um roast battle because I was like <coughs> Dan and Dan has a uh he's doing he was supposed to do his special there in a couple months so like that's a blow this is a total gut punch of like everything and yeah it's it's crazy how how it's also I was writing about it yesterday was like I wrote a like thing about it because uh I guess it's the mic there started with Heather, uh, like in 2018. Well, yeah, if you're going back. Or 2017, 2017, 2018. And then uh, Angelo took it over in 2019. He's the one I know, yeah. And it took, like, it's so weird to think that that's only like two or three years. Like two years that's been, you know, around. And it feels like five years that we've been, yeah. like, you know, doing that. And to me, the one thing that I said, that, like, in my, like, thing that I wrote about it is that I wish we had like a documentary crew like did you see the uh the uh the comedy store uh documentary yeah um, Showtime. I wish we would have had that there's a lot of history there and a lot it was a lot of comedy it would have been cool to see like a movie of everything because we had a lot of like crazy stuff that happened like uh do you know Jack Steiger no I guess no uh, I know almost everyone else you've mentioned. Yeah. Well, he's a comedian who he doesn't get, 
other two comics that doesn't get along with. And we had early on in like our second time that Angela was hosting where before we did the uh, him, you know, actually writing the list down, we did like a bucket mm-hmm. and uh, this group of comments that he didn't that he, he doesn't get along with too. I also don't get along with they they were doing the thing where you know where people sign up their friends and their friends aren't there yet I, you know, I hate that yeah mm-hmm. yeah so Jack he took the paper where people were signing up and he lit it on fire oh <laughs> when they arrived they'll get their name in the bucket again I really put their name and wrote it before he got there he got there like afterwards and I was not there and they signed up all their friends who weren't there yet and he just lit it on fire <laughs> I all the time every I do an open mic every Tuesday night I think you know that in in uh, yeah. Wood Park New Jersey yeah the, people write the names of people who aren't there on the list all the time and it's a pet peeve of mine yeah. but I just let it roll off my back because it's not worth making it isn't so terrible you know and right. most of those guys they sign up early do stay and watch everyone's right. you know that's really what's important at an open mic, getting the feedback. So I let it slide. Right. That's too bad I about that NDA. Right. Uh, I didn't think that the NDA was so strict. I mean, the NDA, you're talking about the National Basketball League, right? <laughs> no. um, non-disclosure, I agree. Non-disclosure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I don't want to, I don't um, like really get too dramatic or anything but it was funny seeing you with uh um when i went to the last time to uh, scotty's uh-huh. and uh seeing you with um oh no filter paul yeah uh, i was curious because uh, i have a similar i think i have a similar relationship to him than you do mm-hmm. do you guys get along yeah we do he's a bit of a friend it of seemed me. like you guys didn't it seemed like a weird like <laughs> Well, you see what happened. Like, the tone was like weird to me. I was like, "Oh, he's like maybe." Every Tuesday, I'm doing five new minutes of material, and if I don't, you know, you you see what works, you keep it in a bucket, and you see what doesn't work, and you throw it in the garbage. But when he right. and Dave Hodge like blow up our sets, you know, heckle and mess them up. Oh yeah. Then you can't tell if the joke worked or not, and I'm not doing it next week. There's many jokes I must throw in the garbage because, or I have to try it somewhere else. I just don't have another venue for it. So I get upset with them. I just tell them to show. What did I say that particular night? No, it wasn't that. It was just like, it wasn't even that. It was the, when you first were talking to each other, Mm -hmm. when he said hello to you Uh in like the start, like it could tell, like it was playful a little bit, but I was like, oh, <laughs> Carl doesn't like that. He said, well, you see, like that he... <laughs> Paul likes insult humor. That's what, yeah, now, yeah. to me, I think that insult humor can't work in the long run because what you're doing is you're pointing at your finger at someone and saying, everybody laugh at him. Everyone right. laugh. And I just think it's, I think it's mean spirited. Yeah. And I think that to me, okay. I, I always have such a weird relationship with him because like he off stage and like as a communal like comic like he's mm-hmm. very funny sure. and then on stage like i don't and you know i don't know if he'll ever listen to this but he probably already knows my feelings on it <laughs> he knows that i don't respect him as a 
as a comic. Well, I think you should. I think you should. First thing I want to say is at the open mic, you don't know what someone's doing. It's all new stuff. Right. Not always, but okay. Last night, I, I work at Scotty's Pub and Comedy Cove. I, 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 I host there yeah. regularly. I was hosting last night. He did a guest spot. Um, he was doing a spot at Tiff's, then came down to Scotty's, did a spot and went back. The crowd loved him. Um, when someone gets up in front of a crowd of strangers, there were 53 people in the room last night. You get up in front of a crowd of strangers who come to a comedy club, school, uh, excuse me, comedy club, and they're ready to laugh. Yeah. You can really shine. So he'll pull out his A jokes and he right. can entertain a crowd. Absolutely. Paul is a real comedian who's, you know, yeah, even yeah. at the open mic, it's not a good judge. Um uh, Paul has, you know, he's my friend of me, and I got many complaints about him, and but I love him too. I really do, and oh, he yeah. does make everyone. I think you always have that. Like that's a weird thing with comedy. Is like I get that a lot too with people. It's like you know, your relationships are always specific mm -hmm. in comedy. That's the one thing that people like sort of have to. Like that's what I always wish I could tell like younger comics when they're starting out is like, you're not going to get along with everybody, but also you're going to get along with everybody in a different context. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's all a different context. So you yeah. might like be like, I don't get along with that person 90% of the time, but you know what? You might get along once in a while. Or... Well, they're contemporaries and they're doing what you're doing. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's have you felt like, especially like in the area that you're in, in, New Jersey, but have you felt like you have a good, uh, like, get along pretty well with people in yeah. comedy so far? Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so I'm 55 years old, okay, so I bring a different perspective to, right. like, having fights and getting along with people. I really pick my battles. Many, many right. times people piss me off. I'll post something on Facebook and people say asshole comments. Instead of right. being your typical 20, you know, early 30-year-old reply to the comments and start a Facebook fight that you can't win, you'll just be embarrassed because right. everything you have to say, they'll say something back. I just, like, delete the post. You know what right. I mean? Uh, people yeah. write the names down of a guy. You know, I don't bring it up to them. It's like, what's important? What's important? Now, when Paul's blowing up my set... And making it so that I can't tell if a joke that I really, you know, that I need to know if it works or right. not. Is it going to have a life or is it going to be trashed? Now we've got a battle that's worth fighting. Shut right. up, Paul. Let me do my stuff. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I am pretty much friends with everyone in the community. There are a few people who I chafe with. that, right. But it's only yeah. when it's an important fight. It's an important right. assertive thing I need to, you know. Yeah, you definitely have to pick your battles. That's the one thing that, like, I'm always very, uh, the one thing I'm very happy about is just that how much better I've gotten throughout it. Like, you know, it surprises people when, like, they find out, like, the couple people that I have, like, so-and-so beefs with. Like, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, that's so surprising to them because I guess they don't expect that from me. Like, right. To have that sort of thing. But I think, like, everyone sort of has their, you know, things like to me the one thing that the only the only thing i get sensitive about in comedy is uh people are allowed to make fun of me with 
whatever they say. Like, I'm finally most like jokes about me. I love being made fun of by the comments. The only thing people are not allowed to say is that I'm not funny. Uh huh. So, so it's like you don't mind being a target, but don't hit me where I live. Don't say like. Don't call me a hat. That's the only thing you can't say about me because that's the one thing I'm egotistical about this about. Yeah. I think we all are. You know, it's like, this is what I do. This is, you know. Now we have a battle worth fighting. I hear you. Right. So that's like, that's like a thing. And especially when someone also interrupts you. Like, I remember that was happening a lot. Uh, there was an, there was nothing like somewhere that James Mack was hosting and uh, they were getting in trouble. Uh, um, Paul and. Uh, Hodge. Hodge, yeah. Dave is, Dave is fucking great. He's awesome. Yeah, I think so too. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah, he's great. But uh, they were getting in trouble because they were just, you know, talking during people's sets and stuff. And I was just like, you know, that's just the one thing that like drives me nuts is like, you know, you got to sort of, there's layers. Have a little respect, setting. you know, let the yeah. people do their sets. You can talk to your friend, write it down, whisper in his ear, text him, you know, go into the hall. Just, just right. it's not all about you. It isn't everything right. revolving around you. And you got a good laugh when you did a heckle. It's not your turn, dude. It's not your <laughs> right. turn, bloke. Right. I know. The thing that I, bugs I, me, I, I, people think I'm gay very often. And oh, really? I'm not gay, so. Oh, you know what? Uh, well, it's good that you brought that up because now I don't feel so bad. <laughs> I thought that too, but not like. But right away, I found out you're straight. Well, so I can't help it. I mean, I, no, I, I, I understand because I'm, I've gotten the same thing growing up my entire life, yeah. too, is people. Oh, have really? always gotten Yeah, yeah. I hung out with girls a lot, mostly when I was young, like really young. And, yeah. Uh, like, you know, I'm very, uh, you know, just, you know, emotional based, I guess. And, you know, people just often think, you know, it's like, you know, oh, I wish, like, to be so much easier for me to lose weight if I was. <laughs> That's for sure. No, but where's the smart heterosexual? He's hanging out with the girls. I'm with you, man. Right. So that's an example right. of something that really bugs me, and I've got to let it slide, you know. Right. So I think it depends on the the context of it, too, like the way that people are, mm -hmm. you know, coming at you about it. Because that's the thing with, like, homophobia especially with straight guys it's so hard is because you don't want to be offended and be offended by be offensive by being offended mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i don't want to say like oh it's it's wrong i shouldn't be offended by being called gay because other people are gay and that's fine to me but personally it can be very like jarring like how you're supposed to respond to it well i mean like, it's just inaccurate so i'm always just clear that i'm not gay but i always make a joke of it and like one time uh, uh probably it was paul was saying like gay and i was like why would you think i'm gay? <clears throat> what why would you think? <laughs> i mean what about me you know so you have to play with it and acknowledge right. look uh, johnny hollywood lately and it happened last night again, too. After he, he was the feature last night. He did 30 minutes. Yeah. So after I got off, I did 10 minutes. I introduced him. He came up. And that's the first thing he goes. He goes, guys, Carl's not gay. He got a huge laugh. That right. huge laugh tells you everyone thought I was. I just have to right. accept it. Right. I think it's always like, a, like that's always a, 
that's always the thing you have to deal with. Like, you know, just the first inclination of what people think. Like, if that's the vibe, like I'm on, like I'm on the spectrum, but I'm not like uh, diagnosed as anything. Uh So that's like a thing too. Is like you know, I have to like, you know, kind of accept that too. Oh, people people say say you're. I see. Okay. So like when people say that, it's like you know. You can say that about me, but you can't say that about natural retarded person. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's like, I'm cool with you saying that because I get it. But, you know, it's the same thing of like, you know, it's interesting how you have to deal with that. But so what, yeah, you'd say like, like I, I might be on the spectrum, but I'm not diagnosed. It's not official. Right. <laughs> so you can't. You, like, yeah. yeah. So keep it to yourself. Uh, it's like with you, it's just like I, I realized also that's also a big thing is those guys like that's always a hard thing. Like I uh I always <laughs> I have a joke about um I have my meanest joke that I have recently Your meanest joke. is about um it's about boomer comics, like bad NJ New Jersey boomer mm-hmm. comics. And it's a back to the future based joke. Where it's like, you know, I say they they fill their DeLorean with <laughs> receipts for boner pills and Olive Garden, and they say like, you know, they're like punchlines. Where we're going, we don't need punchlines. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and it's like it's just those guys, like, you know, and it's like, you know, it's always it's weird to see the mix of stuff. Like you mentioned, like John Hollywood, mm-hmm. like. He's another guy. Like, you know, I just think that must be, I always feel bad because that must be like a, such a thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, those guys to deal with at that group. Like, like I get along with them fine, but, you know, it's like, I feel bad for you having to deal with that. Those, that crowd. Because it's a tough crowd. Well, I can handle them. No problem. And I, I, um, I came down on Johnny Hollywood two weeks ago. You know, you're you're heckling me. You're running me down. But I started on saying all this stuff, and he's like, uh, he was like, "Well, come on. I mean, we bust each other's balls in the click. You know. I mean, you want to be in the click, you got to get your balls busted." And I was like, "Well, you know." And I was adamant. And then he goes, after a pause, he goes, "You do want to be in the click, don't you?" And I was like, oh. "I don't want to be insulted. Okay, whatever it takes." <laughs> Right. I'm out that's, of the click, a, you know. Oh, well. That's a tough thing. Yeah, that's that's always the thing. That's like with those guys. It's like, you know, but yeah, it's like. Uh, that's their yeah, mode of that's, operation. That's their MO. It's their modus operandi. Right. They bust each other's balls right. and they think it's hilarious. And I just, I'm not laughing. I'm, right. I'm turning up my yeah. nose. and Like, it's always like, yeah, and you want to be, you know, in the social group. You want to be, you know. You want to be in that circle, like they said. I, I don't. Uh, I don't. I think, I personally, I, I don't want to yeah. be in their little clique. It's them. It's them who right. liked me and brought me in. I mean, Johnny Hollywood right. was the one who got me my first job, like just being a maitre d' at Scotty's because he liked wow. me. There, you know, right. he he thought I had potential or whatever. I had made him laugh. I never asked to be in their clique. These guys. Were, they right. just included me and not, you know, I just consider them friends. They're my friends. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's, it's very tough, especially, and that's just like, that's another instance of 
what I always say on my podcast about those group of guys and everything, it's like you can't take I always say you can't take the jersey out of jersey. It's like <laughs> they're just like they're always gonna be like yeah, and like it's like a <laughs> and you know it, it's so different from everything that you sort of see. Like it's like okay, it's like you know that's what I always worry about. What I always think right. about is like with me is like if I ever got any further, it's like you know. I, I look at stuff like, ah, when, when, you know what? I, I look at those guys, like what they do, like John Hollywood and those guys. I think they look at those guys like Colin Quinn and those type of like tough crowd kind of guys. And they want to emulate them without having the the same skill or the same, oh. uh, <laughs> same thing as that. Like, <laughs> That's who they emulate. That's who they want to be like. <laughs> but they, not, and they take it out on other people who don't. They're want just to not up to stuff. Listen right. now, Richard. I wanted to ask you something. I shouldn't. I, should, uh, I should shut up. I should we'll finish your thought because I wanted to go in a different direction. Yeah, well, so, I had a question for you. Okay, so you look at a person and you ask them, "Well, what are your influences?" You know, but with right. you. You seem to be open in your heart to every comedian. You like listen to like right. when you you have you have that epic stand up comedy uh, page on Facebook the group and you're yeah. always posting well, actually, old clips from it's yeah. so big. who is your influence because it seems like everybody is 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 uh, I have I have comedians that I'm fans of and then I have influences like guys that yeah sort of, I I relate to a lot in terms of material and personality. Uh, one person I would say is one of my biggest influences is uh, Gary Shandling. Uh-huh. Is one he's one who, like, I relate to a lot. Uh, now he's very self-effacing. He, oh okay. yeah, I know that you are. Yeah, too. and I get a lot okay. of that too. Like, uh, so I like him. I like uh, Gary Goldman. Uh, a lot of Jewish comics. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have a lot of different mm-hmm. ones, and like. To me, I, I always think like there's the comedians that you like that people like, and there's the ones that you know that you don't copy, but that just you like that you know, direction are, that influences yeah, me. Like to me, I always think like you know there's a common thing of when people start doing uh, comedy, they say you sound like certain people. Yeah. Like that was I was guilty of that. Like to me, my first couple of years, I sounded like a mix between like louis ck and mark Maron. Mm-hmm. it's like and i was just 22 and that was just like you know especially that and now it's like i have my own sort of i'm sort of part of my own thing now and i know what i am now but it's it's interesting just to be you that you have so your me, persona like down so you started in another place and arrived it. here i guess okay right and uh yeah it, it's always just so cool to me this it's interesting that you bring that group up because i actually don't have the control of it that i mm-hmm. do now i think i i don't know what happened i gave it to oh you mean for epic stand up person i gave it to a different person like uh i still run half of it i just can't add members or delete anyone because what happened was my rule was okay this is the share comedy stuff this is not to promote 
open mics. This is not yeah. Remote, one uh, of the questions, different stuff like that. That that's was my rule. To that, that question is that one of the things you made epic stand up comedy, and it was about epic stand up comedy. Hey, do you remember when it was a couple years back before the pandemic? Uh, some group, someone from Ireland, fell in love with your page. So you, you could uh, see local New Jersey people, and then like Irish clips. <laughs> right. And what was happening was those people, I started having people from other countries and I thought that was cool because, you know, they could just, you know, share sure. stuff. And what happened was they started sharing their open mics. And I was like, this is not what this page is uh -huh. for. This is not to share open mic signups. This is to share comedy clips. So I would constantly post, like, I would constantly, like, post, not delete people, delete posts. I would constantly repost the rules. Right. I would constantly, like, repost and be like, these are the rules. People are breaking the rules. Don't do it. Right. And then I immediately just got frustrated and I gave it to someone else. Oh. I read it who I gave it to, but I just like, I gave the like the most, so I can still post on there, but I don't have the full like technological control of it because I just got so. Well, it was a good one. Every month it, having to go back there and seeing people break the rules. Yeah. I, I really, I really admire the page that you made. Uh, but like I just said, it's a good, it was a good run. You, you start, you gave birth to something uh, that uh, I, I real I would check in regularly just to see what was the buzz. And what's cool is like just seeing, meeting every one. And that's the cool thing to me too, is like, especially with New Jersey comedy is like, no matter where in New Jersey we are in like New Jersey and New York, like everyone knows each other. That's <laughs> crazy to me. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, yeah. You friend people on Facebook and you'll be like, Oh my God, these people know these people. Like I remember when you came to the, to the Brighton bar, you saw like tons of people that you. Right. I was going to Brighton to try to get in front of some strangers and that is not what happened. <laughs> you know, everyone. I did know everyone. Yeah. That's when you know you're not famous. You know the name of every audience right. member. <laughs> right. I liked doing Scotty's the, the last time I was there. Mm -hmm. That was my first time being able to perform it because I went there with Max uh, and I just couldn't get on. And uh, um, that, was a good, that was a great set because they didn't uh, – what was good to me was no filter Paul didn't heckle me. I didn't, yeah. you know – I didn't pay attention to him, but I was worried that he would. And my sketches went really well there. And it was like, oh, this is so great. Because the one thing, even though I love performing at the Brain Barn with those group of yeah. guys, the, the, those guys and girls, people there, is it, it takes the, the performing is always different. Like, you know, it takes sort of the, the showbiz out of your voice mm -hmm. when you're performing in front of friends. Yeah. You're not showy like you are with, you know, your regular right when you're doing it. strangers. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it just feels like you're conversing. That's my biggest problem with it is like that's why I like going to Scotty's. I was like, oh, I can I can put on my performing hat now. And yeah, this, absolutely. You know, it's a long drive for you. Um uh yeah. Yeah, that's my yeah, favorite so mic. Was, yeah, my biggest uh that's one of my biggest flaws is uh I don't drive. I uh I failed the written driver's test mm -hmm. about four times uh -huh. since I was 16. So I guess at like 23 or 24, I just stopped. I was like, I'm not going uh, to. Gotcha. Anymore. 
it's too stressful. I'm not gonna. How far know. away do you park from a uh, fire hydrant? I don't know. Just you gotta make sure the right. fire hydrant, <laughs> you know, is accessible to the firemen when and they then, come. You know, it's funny. It's like people who drive now, like you know, probably wouldn't be able to like pass the driver's test either. Like you know. Yeah, that's right. If they had to go back. How yeah, how many seconds do you yeah. stop at a stop sign? Well, I don't know. It depends. Is there a cop around? Right. <laughs> Fail. Wrong, so, wrong answer. <laughs> what's been good, though, is like, and what I've been getting better at is I always hate uh, asking for stuff. Like, I don't like asking for rides and asking for, like, body heel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, so that's a barrier. Like, to do it. It's like, you know, because you don't want to be... Uh, like what's the word like push you or like you know but to me i'm always like you know what just find a way so whenever i've had like people be able to take me to places it's like oh that's great like that's always grateful yeah so i'm always good like that's why i was like you know it's, it's interesting to me that you started you know doing it i guess you started comedy in a good place where your kids were grown up and right you, to, you know like i said just get out you know, I got a little story about that. Um, oh, sure. In the 90s, I took this um, uh, comedy class in New York, and um, uh, the guy's name was Stephen Rosenfeld, and he's pretty oh. well known. Yeah. And, okay, so then we had a, an, a bringer show, just like the end of every comedy course, you have a bringer show. Right. And it was at Caroline's, you know. Now, we're going back to the 90s now. So I got up there and I had a few hits, but basically the, the, the jokes that I did towards the end didn't work. So I essentially bombed. And what a right. terrible feeling. I walked away from comedy. If I had done well that night, like I did with Mike in San Francisco, who knows what my life would have been. It would have been different. I would have gone into comedy right. at that time. I didn't even have children yet. I wasn't married yet. Who knows what would have been. Right. Yeah, I think it's always, like, you know, I'm not a big, uh, like, I don't know, fate person, but I just think, like, if you get, at least you got to a place where you can do it now. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, that's the biggest thing, like, I'm a, one of my beliefs, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the butterfly effect. I would never want to go back and change anything, because I just think things would be messed up. Right, you really can't change one thing, and now it's perfect. No, no. Right. Because I just know something would happen. Like, so I say, like, when people are like, you go back, I'd be like, I, I would not tell my anything to myself. I'd be like, just wait. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I look at my 16 year old self and I say, I know, you know what? I know this sucks, but in 10 years, you're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and don't tell, yeah, make your mistakes. You need those mistakes. Right. That's how we learn. So it's just so cool, like, just to, and also just to keep, like, to me, to see, people grow especially like that i've just met over the years Mm -hmm. like seeing you and seeing everything happen with everything uh we didn't get to talk about covid a whole lot did uh has have you gotten it did uh well i never got covid Um, when the pandemic hit you know i was doing that open mic every tuesday at the boiler room in garfield new jersey and then when the pandemic hit i started doing the zoom shows not because I was in love with Zoom. I just wanted to remind people, don't forget about the boiler room. When this is over, we're right. back there. 
No, I've had COVID tests. I've been negative. Um, there was a uh, comedy fight club with Mark Henley's crew. And that was yeah. in November at uh, the Reserve Club. And every, you know, when that was over, next thing you know, Yousef's got COVID. Uh, yeah. Amory has COVID. Like, out of that comedy fight club's COVID was in the room that night. Yeah. I yeah. never got it. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, so yeah. this hasn't affected me. Life isn't over. I mean, it's not over yet. We'll see what life brings. Uh, but so far, I've been I've been really lucky. It's everyone in my family. Nobody's gotten it. Well, my mother got it, and my stepfather. But and she's in her eighties. But it was fine. It was very mild. Right. So I really haven't been influenced by it. Yeah, the. the uh... Comedy Fight Club guys were great. Uh, yeah, you know they were the first guys who started like booking me on stuff when uh, you know COVID happened mm-hmm. because like to me I just wanted to do stand up like that's my main you know thing. So when I started doing their things like now I'm into it now I like it I'm three I'm three and zero oh there. They have like an actual like thing there like they have champion they have a championship there and they're like you know it's like I can actually get into it now. But for me, it was like, I just wanted to do stand-up. Yeah, so I was curious, right. just since you are close with those guys, have you done any of the the roast battle type of stuff? No, rather I've booked them twice. Twice I booked them at the Reserve Club. Uh, that was on a Friday or Saturday. I forget. That's when the COVID went around. Then I went on to book them on a Thursday night at Scotty's. Um, right. And uh, they did really well there. And, and uh, the... Booker Gene was very impressed with that crew. Uh, I've never oh, yeah, been very- in the comedy fight club because that's just not my scene. Right. I don't want to make fun of people. And I'm a target with my weight and my right. are you gay stuff and right, my yeah, yeah. voice and I'm five foot six. I'm a target. I don't want right. to be, you know. Right. I don't have speakers yeah. for you. Just you be you and I'll be me and everyone. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It's good, though, to know, like, what you have. Those guys are, you know, that's the one thing that I realized when they came to the Brighton Bar to do a couple of their stuff is they immediately, like, in a good way, they take over. They do everything. They do the sound. They yep. do everything, like, on their own. And, uh, yeah, those guys are great. And, yeah. you know, it's so interesting. Before before I knew them from doing the Comedy Fight Club, I knew them from uh, before COVID hit. Like, I'd go with them in Jersey City with John, and that was, like, those group of guys that I would meet and it was just so cool like you said like everyone knows each other yes yeah and it's like so cool to be like oh these people know us all down here and they know every different place you Uh, know going up to Wawa Club must have been a heck of a drive for you what was that an hour and a half uh, yeah I went there with uh Dan uh Uh he, he was nice enough to give me a ride and you know I gave him money like I always do with people and it was just uh you know it was nice because with me and Dan like our uh we have such an interesting dynamic mm-hmm. with the way that we just instantly met and like he's he instantly just like we instantly just got along it's very funny because people That's great. don't know that people don't know that we're friends like people mm-hmm. don't know that we get along at the level that we do a lot of people think like oh he just makes fun of me and he's been he, he does that way too much it's like no he's not picking on me we're you know right we, in in private, we're friends. Like, You're <laughs> smiling when he's doing so, it. Like, we're actually a lot like, you know, I've had him on my podcast uh, like three times now, and he's actually the most popular guest. Like, 
he gets like the most views. So it's like that's great. So he's like, so it's great. It's cool to have like a reoccurring person. But uh yeah, it says something nice about him. What? It says something nice about him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, uh, Oh yeah, definitely. Um so uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you is uh do you have uh like any I know you have the the mic still. Yeah. At, uh, is that coming back now? I've seen that a little bit with uh Yeah, every Tuesday in Elmwood Park, New Jersey, it's twenty five Wenzel Street. Uh we do an open mic at eight PM. You sign up at seven thirty. And uh, that's been going since we got opened up again. I think that was in June or July of 2020. They opened up again. We were in the backyard for a time, but now we're inside right. again because that's the law. Uh, yeah. We do pay attention to COVID, you know, with the uh, microphone covers and having the um, uh, hand sanitizer accessible, everyone in their masks. Right. Uh, you don't have to when you sit, but still. Right. And we had um, that at Brighton. What was so interesting was during the, uh, I guess it was during the summertime, we were, uh, when COVID was like starting, we were, uh, we were outside and they had like drones and stuff watching us. And they said like, they complimented the Brighton bar a whole bunch. Like the, I guess the uh, law enforcement and stuff said like that we were doing a really good job. Adhering to the rules. Adhering to the rules. We, We were the only bar in that area paying attention to the rules and they were strict like you know pretty good they were good like being strict about it but uh, i enjoyed the backyard i saw you that night too one time i came down it's an hour and a half away that's why i rarely get yeah um i brought my guitar that night uh poston was there oh Uh, yes he's remarkable (laughs) the pun master the pun master he's great oh yeah has has he, ha, have you uh, gotten uh, has he done the drawing of you yet? The... Yeah, he's done a drawing of me. I've used it in the Reserve Club ads. Also, two times I was just lucky. Uh, I did a collaboration with him. I would uh, play the guitar, and he would do he would sing some pun. Uh, we did the Who's uh, uh, Behind Blue Eyes. I'm, I'm playing. Oh, you know, so cool. He's. He's singing, no one knows what it's like to be the Batman. Um, right. Except for, uh, you know, and then, um, yeah, I guess that did. I, I, I did two ge- sets with him in which I played the guitar and he did his puns. It really worked out. Right. He, uh, he's not into rehearsing too much. I'm like, Steve, I'm not going up there raw and seeing what happens. It doesn't work that way. So I had to have him come to my house and we would, you know, we played them together. And I said, listen to the recording so that you know the songs when it's time. So it worked out, you know, but uh, right. yeah, that's too cool. much rehearsing for him. Right. So the other thing I want to ask, do you have any um, like social media? Like what's your. Well, OK, so. One thing I don't appreciate is Facebook's uh, rules about your name. It's got to be legit. Oh, now, I just yeah. go by Carl. Right. But on Facebook, okay. unfortunately, I'm Carl E, as in Eric, Haupt, right. H-A-U-P-T. That's how you find me, Carl right. E. Haupt, H-A-U-P-T. Right. 
Or I have one that is, that is, I got away with it. J-U-S is my first name. And then Carl's with a C is my last name. So right. it's just Carl. That one I got. Well, you know what I can do? Uh, it's good that you told me this because I wanted to ask you about this. I was going to ask you off mic about this, but I'm glad that you said this is I can, uh, for the episode, I can just put Carl if you want. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. You see, I'll it, just put Carl. Okay, so I went to this mic out in Long Island, like far. It was not deep into Suffolk County, but it was just over. Once again, it's the quest for strangers. Okay, you got five minutes you think are a stuff. Let's go find out in front of strangers. So I go back like six to eight months later to the same place. When I walked in the door, the guy goes, oh, Carl, right? It's more memorable when you just have the one name, you know? Right. If I was yeah. Carl Smith, you know, what's your name again? But because it was Carl, one time I was yeah. at the Grizzly Pear, or was it the Creek in the Cave? And the guy was right. like, you're just Carl. That's pretty ballsy. Is it? Right. Is it? <laughs> you know what? Madonna. The thing that's, uh, <laughs> thing that's uh, I guess, hard with our crew, and, like, I guess the only thing that's difficult with our crew is, uh, especially at Brighton, is we have a guy, Mike, who goes by several different character names. Uh-huh. And one of his characters is uh, Carl C. Callum. Yeah, he's that's great. like his most famous character. Like yeah. most like no. So like whenever I say Carl and I mean you, we have to like specify. Because like no the other <laughs> but the actual the real Carl. <laughs> like I use real name. So that's Carl. not his real name. I've always thought of him as No, Carl. uh his name is Mike. Uh but really? he plays a character. He wow. has a characters. Mind blown. Oh my yeah. goodness. I had him on the podcast. You should listen to that episode. It's really interesting how that I all came out oh good but, uh, then i can hear the origin story because yeah the origin story of that yeah so that was what was always funny when like you would come down or like i would tell people about you and they'd be like oh yeah i know carl <laughs> he's but, um, really funny so i'm also at carlsucks.com uh or it's carl.sucks uh they both oh, yeah i saw that uh, yeah on twitter i'm like jokes to carl and I have a second right. account, which is Carl with 11 underscores. Uh, I'm on Instagram probably as jokes to Carl. I'm old. I don't go to Instagram too much. Right. And I then I have the podcast. Right. The podcast is called Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube, but it goes by its anachronism, which is, anach, a, acronism, which is right. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. And nobody remembers that. So just remember, it's let's watch a full-length movie on and then YT for YouTube. Right. That's my favorite yeah. piece of heaven. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube. You know, you start the the movie at the same time as we do. We turn the sound down and we riff on it. Bob is to educate Mike about the movie, what the actors did, know the story. And his job is to be the audience, you know, just to right. watch it's a great time. Appreciate you in the countdown. Oh yeah, yeah. You had me on that good day after that. That was yeah. that was really cool. I was just like, I was like, oh, that's what you did. That's cool. Uh, so, um, thank you so much for uh, doing this. Thanks I, for having me, man. I'm actually very happy that this didn't have any technological problems. Like this. That's like, great. As I usually, you know, it's like works like. Like eighty percent of the time, I have you know no problems. It's just you know, I'm just happy that you were able to do this and 
this was a great conversation. You answered all my, you know, questions. Now, Richard, I want people to know that you'll be on my podcast on April 25. Uh, we're okay. doing a movie called The Meeksville Ghost, which uh, Judd Hirsch, uh, a horrible film, and that's why we picked it. So you go to mutinyradio.fm on April 25th at uh, 5 p.m., and you'll hear Richard. All right. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, so I'll talk to you soon, man. What the heck? All right. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, man. Talk Thank to you, you soon. Bye-bye.